Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your host. I am Eddie Quinones. And I am Nick Andres. And welcome, man. Got a little bit of a different uh, a mix-up today, a little bit of a different hosting situation. This is actually my first time hosting the podcast without Nate. So, uh, Nick, you, you decided to step in, and I really appreciate it this week. Yeah, I'm always willing to step in, though when needed when uh, you all need someone to help out and they just need a break this week so glad to do it yeah appreciate that so that being said uh, let's kind of hop into our main content and just kind of do our prior week's recap so going into it well what did you have as your biggest upset last week uh, my biggest upset i had rolf boy that's kyron over otis and the bell cows that's nate and uh, you know choosing biggest upset it was pretty hard because i thought there was a lot of pretty even matchups and mm-hmm. it's almost hard to tell like what truly is an upset at this point of the year with yeah. only week two um but last week nate came out of week one one and one though he was i believe the number two or three one of the top scoring teams on the weekend he had the unfortunate matchup i believe with uh, scott's team mm-hmm. Kyron's team has performed not great but fair, fairly poorly the first two weeks yeah. um and so i would just consider this the biggest upset of week one and mainly with Nate's lineup, he had some lackluster performances from AB who had a fantastic week one and Jonathan Taylor is still, I believe trying to hit his stride. You know, he's still, uh, everyone's still kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with him. I think he'll be mm-hmm. better off and, you know, f- future weeks ahead, but this wasn't a good week for him. And then another guy in his roster that has kind of been a question mark of recent James Robinson uh, has been uh, not firing on all cylinders like he was a, uh, coming out of last season so that was just yeah. a bit of a downer for Nate's lineup and uh, Kyron was able to pull out the win yeah and that's a good one and one thing that I do want to mention I think scoring in general while the league median was actually higher this week than last week's I think the bottom three or four teams scored significantly lower than what it was last week um, we just had a higher average amongst the top so yeah, there was there was a few teams that had some some really poor performances this past week, and a lot of it due to injuries. As we saw, there's so many people that got hurt this past week. So, for me, for the biggest upset, I actually had uh, Penguins of Madagascar over Hugh Neutron. Um, obviously, Lucas last week coming off of a, a really big week in Week One. Um, put up 171 points and I mean he came up as one of the top three scoring guys uh, coming into week two while I did have him projected losing um, he lost by about 24 points to Penguins of Madagascar who the prior week before that didn't really have that big of a week scored 137 points before that so I think the point variances from from those weeks really is what made it the biggest upset to me and it was mainly really because of the difference in scoring i would have expected it maybe right. to be a little bit closer so yeah jake's team really uh took off uh, last mm-hmm. week yeah i agree all right moving on down to our biggest takeaways for the week what did you have as the biggest takeaway last week um biggest takeaway is scott's team is looking very uh looking very good Mm-hmm. You know, it's looking like one of the top teams in my mind that's going to pull away quick to being a, a contending team, uh, at least quicker than most. And, uh, you know, he's had back-to-back high-scoring weeks. And I think you're actually going to get to that later later in the podcast, pinpointing yeah. on just how well his team is producing fantasy value-wise. 
um, with uh, you know week to week points. But he has a <laughs> stud lineup. He has some studs on his bench, and he has studs in his starting lineup. Scott uh, drafted his team very well, so I have to give him yes. a big, big compliment there. I agree, and I mean he hasn't made any significant changes to his team or anything within the past two weeks. Obviously not many people have, but he's been able to, just like you said, sustain high performance um, from everyone on his team. And obviously having Kyler Murray, who's for me right now, number one in MVP is, I mean, that's going to help you when he's putting up over 30 points every week drastically. So speaking of Kyler Murray, I was talking, I'm sure you were part of some conversations leading up to the draft season. He was always, Honestly, like number one on my draft board for quarterback, and I even had pick over Scott. And uh, I don't know. I, I and like the just the last moment, I switched to Josh Allen, and not that that was a bad choice, but these first few weeks, I'm, I've been yeah. regretting not yeah. picking up Tyler. Um, but I did get him in a few other leagues. But yeah, he has been a killer for Scott. Yeah, I mean it's 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 been kind of insane. He's been killing it and i mean i had him as my number two quarterback coming into the year with obviously mahomes in front of him right but still i mean he he's doing much better than i would have anticipated him to do coming into the year um i knew who's going to perform well just not 33 points and above type well because that's kind of insane so yeah big props to scott oh yeah oh yeah um my biggest takeaway last week I think was it, and it's what I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, kind of the league median in the situation with it. Um, while we did have, I think four teams score under the lowest that we even scored in week one. I think the lowest anyone scored in week one was, uh, I want to say it was about 127 was the lowest that we had in week one. This past week, we had roughly one, two, three, four teams score underneath 127. Someone was at 127, but the decimals made the difference. But the league median this past week was still higher than week ones. Um, So to me, obviously, like I said, we had some injuries and stuff that really messed with some people's scores, um, and they scored significantly lower than they probably would have if their team was fully healthy. But to me, it, it makes me look at the disparity between those top teams that are putting up 170 to 180 to those bottom teams and, and figuring out how those bottom teams are going to make up that gap. I mean, it, it's going to be tough, I think, for the remainder of the year for some of those bottom teams to make up that gap. But I think that was just my biggest takeaway. It's just a scoring disparity between the top teams and kind of the lower teams. Yeah, it's a good observation. Yeah. Yeah. So that being said, we'll go ahead and segue right over to our top three in standings. So currently at number one, we do have Scott, the Thundercats. He is 4-0. Again, coming off tremendous week one and week two, hitting the league median on both weeks and just kind of keeping it rolling. Um, He's been doing tremendous in his team. Again, full props to him for what he does. Next, we had Lucas, and this one was actually a late change. Uh, So with Lucas being gone on deployment, um, he had an assignment that he had to go do. So he wasn't able to adjust his lineup. We had a few changes that we had to make after I had already put together the original league median and our standings. I think Lucas was sitting originally, I think he was at like five or six. Um, Ended up moving up to number two with Rob Gronkowski's performance. Since we had to manually change his lineup, Gronkowski was on the bench. 
but he would have been his starter at the tight end position. Yeah, looking um, like Gronk of old. Yes, yes. So Gronk tremendously helped him out, bumped him up into second place. Um, so good for him. And then in third place, there's a few teams tied at three and one. Uh, but Sean does have 316.48 points for, so that puts him up into the third place. Um, and JC is tied with him just with about 10 less points for roughly. So, all right. Yeah. Pretty tight group here. Yeah. I mean, the only disparity that the really biggest difference that we have between all the scoring. And again, I touch point on it later on at the bottom is, is Scott, his points for is, this early in the season, I would say significantly higher than anybody else's. So it's, uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. But all right. Well, moving on down to our team and player analysis section, kind of to touch base on something that I mentioned a little bit earlier, just go a little bit more into detail with it. Um, so worst to best, which winless slash one win team do you expect to turn it around and make playoffs this year? And just to throw it out there, we have four teams that fall into that category. It is Otis and the Cowbells, which is Nate. He's sitting at one and three with a total points for 308. We have Kyron, Rolf Boy, at one and three with 289 points for. Uh, Gods of the Super Saiyans, Mike, at one and three with 274.94 points. And myself, Eddie, at 0 and four with 279.86 points. So, who do you think out of those four guys has the best chance of turning it around and making the playoffs? So I kind of gave it uh, like a little rating system, like who has the best chance, and then on down from there, like one through four. And I gave Nate the number one nod. I, you know, can't knock him too much as far as he, I don't believe he's ever missed playoffs um, in any fantasy football league in particular that I've been a part of, part of it with him. So I have to give him prop, you know, go ahead, um, head nod there to, be the guy that turns it around to yeah. make a push into playoffs. And then I count you and Mike pretty darn close behind. Um, you know, you guys definitely manage your team well. Mike is always willing to make moves each and every week to adjust uh, to make, you know, fills in his lineup to best compete, as we all know Mike does. Um, and it's, this isn't even a knock against Kyron. You know, I just see you, Mike, and uh, Nate just – pretty highly as fantasy managers and it really isn't a knock against Kyron. I shouldn't count him like as a fourth peg down because I believe it was just, uh, was it two years ago that he was in the league semifinals? Mm -hmm. So, you know, he definitely has the skills to do super well, make a push to the playoffs. And he's actually, I think he is uh, one of the top leaders in our keeper league. So he's doing really well in that league. Yeah. So, him, and, him and I are um, holding the, the four up there in the keeper that's league. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think I have Nate, as that guy for me, he's currently in terms of points for scoring as a top six. So his current standing right now because of his record doesn't really reflect how strong his team actually is. Obviously, they didn't have an amazing performance this past week, only putting up 120 points. But that cap that he hit in week one of 188 points shows the ceiling of his team. And I think this week we just saw the floor. I don't expect them to go any lower than 120. And I'm not sure if I expect them to go any higher than 188. But if he makes some moves and things like that, it can be done. So I think to me, it was, it was a pretty easy choice there. And I think Nate um, has the best chance. I think he's just had some unfortunate matchups, uh, especially week one, uh, that really pushed him into the position where he's at right now. 
It seems that whoever faces Scott is going to have an unfortunate matchup. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. You can put up as many points as you want through the entire season and have your best week, and it might not be enough to beat him. So it'll be tough. But, yeah. All right, well, moving on over to our matchup preview. I'll go ahead and uh, start us off here with our best matchup. And I actually have your matchup versus Hugh Neutron, Lucas. Um, There, I do want to mention, I think this week in terms of matchups will be tremendous across the board. We have some really good matchups this upcoming week. Um, Couldn't agree more. Yeah, but I picked this one just because I I think Lucas is, again, like I mentioned before, he's in second place and he's he's pretty riding a pretty good high right now, scoring a lot of points. And I think your team has a very strong chance uh, of knocking him down a peg while your points for might not necessarily be as high as his. I think your team is is going to get in a stride, especially with uh, some moves and trades that have been made that we'll talk about a little bit further down. I think that this matchup right here will will definitely be a very interesting and fun matchup. And I think we'll get to see exactly how strong your team is after the move that you made. Who do you have? Uh, so, yeah, that was one I was I was thinking about, but I didn't want to highlight my own matchup. So it was uh, great that you mentioned it. And I was going to actually mention your matchup with Nate, Juan Decimo Magnifico versus Otis and the Bell Cows. Uh, this is this was the hardest matchup for me to analyze of who I actually thought was going to win, which we'll get to later. Um, I'm really interested and intrigued to see what will happen here. Um, I like both your lineups a lot, uh, though this this or today recent news just came out about AB being on the COVID list. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure if Nate will have access to place uh, Antonio Brown in his lineup. But he has some guys he can slot in there at flex as well to do fairly well for his team. And I'm also really interested for your your side to see what Odell Beckham Jr. are we going to see yes. come out this week? You know, the team's kind of re- – going to need to be reliant upon him mm-hmm. in the passing game. They're very reliant in the passing game this past week, more so with their tight ends with, with Landry going down. They didn't really rely on any other part of the receiving corpse. Yeah. Um, and OBJ has really been, you know, out there tweeting a bit, you know, just kind of anticipating his comeback. So I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen there. Uh, just him in particular on the field and then how that affects this matchup with you guys. I'm yeah. going to be keeping a close eye on it for sure. And then just an honorable mention shout out to actually, I think a low key good matchup to watch will be Sean and Jake, the football heads versus Penguins of Madagascar. Yeah, I, I had that as one of my honorable mentions. I think that'll be extremely interesting. Those two guys are only one win slash one loss away from each other. So I think this this week right here will help them kind of flip flop uh, within the standings, depending on who wins and, and who doesn't. I mean, we have a lot of very close projections this upcoming week. Um, so I'm excited to see how it all pans out and how everyone plays. So it will definitely be, I think, the most eventful week so far that we've had in fantasy. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, so moving on down for things to watch. So I'd put down here, and, we, and we'd mentioned this uh, above, you know, will anyone be able to close that points for gap with Scott that he's starting to build up. Um, like I mentioned before, he's already at 42 points gap within two weeks um, of the next closest team to him in terms of points for, do you think that anyone will be able to close that gap by the end of the season? Or do you think that Scott with the team that he has, and if he makes acquisitions to make his team even better, uh, do you think anybody will be able to catch that? Or do you think he's going to run away with it? Yeah. I don't want to quite say, 
uh, yet that he's going to run away with it with it being so early in the season. Mm-hmm. You never know with fantasy with injuries and just how things shake up throughout the season. But I think Scott definitely has the tools as a fantasy manager to break away, to, to u- utilize the strengths of his team to not only keep it strong, but make it even stronger. Um, you know, I think he was alluding to that a little bit in the group chat, and I think he's capable of doing that. So he could very well run away in points four category for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree 100%. It's going to be tough for certain individuals to try to catch up to him. It's just continue to make trades, keep it active, and and, and try to get close to him. Uh, but I do think he's he's got a very strong team. And I mean, we've mentioned this over the past two podcasts. Um, it, it'll be it'll be a tough team to match, but hopefully one of us or, or a group of us can kind of catch up to him in terms of points for um, and knock him down from there. So, Yeah, maybe we're building his team up a little bit too much at the beginning of this podcast, but hey, it's <laughs> but all right. Know, it's a little scary right now. It's, it it's is. Scary. All right. um, my thing to watch for was actually I was going to allude to, you know, what teams are going to start to separate themselves and which teams might mm-hmm. start sinking, but I'm going to point to something actually on the football field, like, real-life field in NFL, what to mm-hmm. watch for since a lot of us are watching this team, and that's the Steelers and the Steelers' offense and how that actually affects fantasy. Um, their offense has been struggling. Um, and some interesting facts, actually, about some guys on that offense. Chase Claypool, um, he hasn't hit big yet, but he is leading the entire NFL in uh, air yards. So, basically, uh, he's getting the most shots down the field than any other receiver in the entire league. And Wow. He just hasn't had those uh, connections with Ben yet. And the question is, will those connections happen soon? Will they happen at all? Um, and now Ben's actually suffering, you know, I think a pec, a pec injury. I'm not sure if he'll play this week or what the case is. If he's healthy, though, I'm, I tend to believe that that connection will sooner or later happen. There will be some booming weeks for Claypool. Yeah. And uh, Deontay Johnson's also dealing with uh, a knee injury. And mm-hmm. There's a chance he could miss some time. So Claypool could really become a big factor in that offense. Um, despite him having some lackluster weeks to start the year, uh, start the year. And then I want to also point out Najee Harris. You know, he hasn't looked terrible. Uh, he definitely hasn't looked terrible. The offensive line looks terrible. And because of that, he actually is average. Um, I heard the stat yesterday and I forget who he's tied with, but he's tied with one other running back in the league for starting running backs for a- averaging the, the least amount of yards per carry compared to all their starting running backs across the league. He's averaging 3.2 yards a carry, which is actually behind um, a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who right now I think has a sour taste in a lot of fantasy owners' mouths. But Najee is not even averaging as many yards per carry as he is. So you kind of wonder what's going to happen there. Um, Not that you doubt the skill set of Najee Harris, but it's kind of that whole Steelers offense is in flux right now. Yeah, I mean, it makes it tough to get in any type of rhythm or production, especially a running back. Um, if you're not really getting any help from anywhere on the field, if you can't throw the ball very well, teams are going to know that you're going to want to run the ball, and it just makes it tough for him. And, and like you mentioned, that offensive line isn't doing the greatest job. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really good thing to point out, and the whole Claypool thing is another really interesting thing to point out. I do expect him to kind of have one of those boom games here soon. Um it's only a matter of time for him to kind of get back into production and, and do his thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, moving on down to our matchup predictions. So, so far, go over our records really quick. 
Uh, last week, I had made some bold predictions, uh, and Nate and I pretty much went opposite on almost every pick, except for, I think, a couple. Um, actually worked out in my favor a little bit. So Nate is 8-4 and four on the year. I am 7-5. and five. There you so, go. You guys are just one off. Yeah, not too shabby. To catch up. Well, not too shabby. having to catch up. It's only one off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so moving on down to our very first matchup that I have listed on here, it is myself versus Nate. So Juan Dissimo Magnifico versus Otis and the Bell Cows. Who do you have? This is this was my one. I, I sat for a few minutes and was going back and forth. And I at first actually landed on Nate's team. Um, but then a little bit before the podcast started, I switched. And I chose your team, Eddie, um, to come out as a victors. And uh, it really just be, because uh, I have some questions about some guys in Nate's lineup that um, I think this will be a telling week to see what will happen? Um, you know, question with AB, unfortunately, I don't think will be answered of, will he be an elite wide receiver like he showed in week one? Mm-hmm. I'm actually a guy that believes he, 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 he he's probably not going to be elite, but I think he's going to be very fantasy relevant most of every single week. I agree. Uh, and he just had a very um, lackluster game last week that I would kind of throw, throw that away. I wouldn't really count that towards his production so much. But then the other two, Jonathan Taylor, you know, he's right now running back 24, but it's only been two weeks. I think he's going to return to like a low-end RB1, high-end RB2 uh, soon enough. But the question is, will it be this week? Is Carson Wentz going to play? And if he doesn't, how's that going to affect Jonathan Taylor's game with a guy like Jacob Eason in there? And then the other guy, you know, I think I mentioned all these guys already. Another guy, James Robinson, I wonder, well, what the heck's going on with him? You know, I heard the stat today. He hasn't even touched the ball um, more than 14 times in a game these first two weeks of the, of, of the season, whereas last year, every single game he played in, all 14, he had 14 uh, touches or more every single game. So I think it really – it's not necessarily about the player. I think the player is good. I think it's a system and new coaching staff that needs to learn how to use their tools. And yep. then the question is with these guys, like, are they going to figure it out right now, week three, or is it going to come later in the season? So that's why I kind of switched my answer over the years. I think there's more sure things on that side, um, despite like OBJ. We'll, we'll see what he looks like coming out. Um, so, yeah, that's a long-winded answer to explain, yes, I chose your team as a winning team this week. Yeah, and, and I agree. I, I also chose my team here. And just to do like a quick analysis, how you mentioned the whole thing with James Robinson, I think the Jags are just a little too trigger-happy with Trevor Lawrence, and I think they want to throw the ball a lot. Uh, instead of kind of sticking to their basics and checking the running game, which worked last year. Um, If you look at Trevor Lawrence's stats, he's thrown 84 total times within two games. That's a lot. Which he's averaging 42 attempts per game, which is kind of insane. (laughs) So he's been throwing the ball a lot. So James Robinson has seen a reduced number in production. Again, Antonio Brown was one of the one, the big question marks for me when I was looking at this lineup and figuring out, who I think will win it. Uh, I think Antonio Brown probably not playing this upcoming week kind of made that decision. But again, he's got some guys that he can plug in there. Uh, he's got KJ Osborne and, and Jacoby Myers, are two guys that I see that are, are some good plugins to put in. Yeah, that's that another uh, name shout out. KJ Osborne. Mm-hmm. Is he going to really have a breakout season? I, I kind of want to see it happen. That he's been no doing name, tremendous so far. Yeah, this no name wide receiver yeah. uh, is going to come out of nowhere and have a big, big year in a wide receiver core of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, mm-hmm. you know, and the guy in the backfield, like Dalvin cook, are yeah. they going to have four 
highly relevant wider or uh, fantasy pieces, let alone Kirk Cousins, uh, who's been, been uh, blasting off. You know, yeah, that's been uh, quite the offense to have a piece piece in in fantasy. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be interesting. I mean, he's averaging I think around seventeen points a game right now. Obviously, only two weeks, but yeah. still pretty impressive. All right, moving on down so that, to yeah, sorry, that was a lot of time on the one match. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Moving on down to Rolf Boy versus Thundercats. I'll go ahead and lead us off here. Except Thundercats. Um, while I do think Kyron has a, a solid team, I just don't think it's enough to compete with Scott this upcoming week. What do you have? Yeah, same. Um, I, I chose Scott's team, Thundercats. Um, his team just looks very good. Mm-hmm. You know, Debo, who's in his flex spot, Debo Samuel is actually leading the whole league in receiving yards. Yeah. You know, he's number one, Cooper Cup's number two, Tyler Lockett is number three. So kind of like three uh, surprising guys up there, top three after yeah. uh, week two with uh, receiving yards. And he has one of them in his flex. Yeah, I mean, I have Debo in one of my other leagues and I'm loving it right now. Debo is doing tremendous. I had him two years ago in this league and he got injured and he wasn't doing anything. It made me real sad. So it's good to see him producing. Definitely. Yeah. All right, moving on down to our next matchup. We have Randy Marsh versus the Rickest Rick. Uh, this one was a little bit of a tough one for me. Um, really had to look at the entire lineup, and I think the biggest thing that made a difference for me is the quarterback position with uh, Kevin. Yeah. Just don't know exactly how they're going to perform. Obviously, Daniel Jones has been doing great, and he's been performing out of his mind. But Jameis Winston didn't have that great of a week last week, and it doesn't really help that he's playing the number three pass defense in the league um, this upcoming week. So honestly, just with that being said, and and Saquon, obviously he's getting somewhat of a workload, but nothing too crazy. Um, I think I have Damon pulling out on this one. There's just more consistency, I think, on Damon's side that I like. It's very fair. I actually am on the other other side choosing Randy Marsh. It's Kevin as the winner. And I, I do think this would is an upset with how you broke it down. Uh, for me, why I decided on Kevin's team is, one, is Deontay Johnson going to play for Damon? And two, will he be effective? Um, Corey Davis, though, I think is good. We saw how low of a week he could have. And last week, I believe he scored um, less than three points, you knowing that Jets offense is – not clicking, which it, it might not be for a little while. Who knows mm-hmm. the rookie quarterback and Zach Wilson, what's his production going to be like? And then there's a big question mark with Michael Pittman, not in, not in him, but in his quarterback. Is Carson Wentz going to play? Yep. Is he going to be playing with uh, Jacob Eason? Whereas on the other side of the coin, in uh, Kevin's flex spots, he's had some nice surprises. And I'll specifically point out, point out Marquise Brown, who's a top 10 wide receiver on the year right now for fantasy. He's been looking – very good on the field, uh, making having some good connections with Lamar Jackson on the field. And he's been a good, good producer for Kevin. Yeah. Uh, Kevin had a very quiet week and a, a big booming player, Tyreek Hill, last week. I don't think that's going to happen two weeks in a row. Yeah. Uh, Keenan Allen's another solid guy. It's going to be in a high-scoring matchup with the Chargers in Kansas City. Uh, and like I mentioned before, if Johnson's out, there's another guy that um, – you know, people don't give him the props he deserves for the amount of targets he gets, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster, who's in uh, Kevin's flex spot. Um, you know, the question there, though, too, is will Big Ben play? But even though I definitely agree that Kevin's quarterbacks are outmatched, I think his other pieces this week I'm going to predict 
are going to help him enough to get the win this week. So he gets my nod of uh, approval. All right. Yeah. Respect that. All right. Moving on down to our next one. We have Hugh Neutron versus yourself. Uh, I'll go ahead and uh, start us off on this one. And I actually went with Hugh Neutron um, with the way that his team has been producing. Um, for me right now, it's, it's a numbers game and he's been doing extremely well. Uh, and for me, I, I just expect this team to really continue the production. He does have a couple guys that have some questionables next to their names and aren't a hundred percent sure. Uh, so that made me a little bit nervous choosing, um, along with the, the addition of Christian McCaffrey, uh, on your end. So, you know, it made me a little bit nervous choosing Lucas, but I, you know, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Lucas on this one and yeah. So I have, what do you have? I, uh, I'm glad that you chose Lucas because he could definitely take this, take this win. Um, I'm going to choose myself not to sound conceited, oh, no. but more, more so <laughs> because I have two Panthers in my lineup and they're playing the Texans uh, yeah. Thursday night. And both these guys have been booming DJ Moore kind of having a breakout year, uh, not like a big breakout year, but like, I think the season that many fantasy managers expected him to have previous seasons. Now it's only been two weeks. So will this continue? We'll see. Um, but those are two big factors of why I chose my squad to t- come out with the win. Yeah. I mean, it, I think this one outside of Nate and I's matchup, I think is the closest one when looking at it for me to, to make that decision. It was a, it was a tough one, but it'll, it'll definitely be interesting. I think it'll be a fun one. I agree. Yeah. All right. Moving on down to God of the super Saiyans or Scooby and the gang. Uh, who did you have for this one? We had Scooby and the gang. That's JC's squad. You know, that uh, double tight end pickup at the beginning of the year doesn't look super bad because, boy, those two tight ends get so many targets Mm -hmm. between Kelsey and Waller. And it's almost, I mean, not even almost, it's guaranteed targets that they're going to get. And another big piece, I think, that's going to be proved uh, very valuable for for JC this week is Cortland Sutton. I think he is going to continue – to have weeks like he did last week where he put up 25 points or close to that. Um, he's a guy that I really like coming into the year. Um, I mean, I think what really helped him, which is sad, is Judy getting hurt. And mm-hmm. now he can really have his talents on display. He has a good connection with Teddy Teddy B. And uh, I think that's going to be a big reason why uh, JC's going to be able to pull out the win this week. Yeah, I agree. I think this one was probably one of the more easier ones for me to choose. Uh, just in terms of, you know, Mike's got some question marks on his team. Uh, while Ezekiel Elliott did have a pretty solid week last week, Tony Pollard also had just as good of a week, which yeah, that did. to me, that to me worries me a little bit. If you look at the splits, Tony Pollard touched the ball almost just as much as Ezekiel Elliott did throughout the entire game. And if you watch the game, you could see that they were willingly using Tony Pollard just throughout the game. Um so I think Zeke is, is a pretty big question mark, I think, coming into it in terms of, you know, what kind of production is he going to get? Is he going to be a guy that's going to be sitting around 13 to 16, 17 points a week? Or is he going to go back to that production of over 20 points a week? Um, so we'll see in these coming weeks. Another guy that was a little bit of a question mark for me is George Kittle. He's been underperforming so far this year. Hasn't been very eventful. Uh, in each of his first two games, he only had four receptions. And the only reason he scored over 10 points in the first game is because he blew a big reception and he ran, which kind of sat at his pats a little bit <laughs> or patted his stats a little bit. So 
you know, I, I think it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see how Michael's teams performs, but I, I do have uh, JC pulling out on this one. Very fair. Yep. And then moving on down to our very last matchup, I have the Football Heads versus the Penguins of Madagascar, and I had the Penguins of Madagascar. Again, this one was a little bit of a tough one for me to really figure out who I wanted to win this, uh, but I think Jake's team is is on the right path to kind of continuing type of week that he had last week who do you have oh this was i'm almost about to switch my pick right now it's so (laughs) hard uh to choose that's why this was my honorable mention for matchup of the week um derrick henry just blowing up last week ryan Tannehill has been down but is that going to continue i don't really think it will i think he'll eventually return close to where he was last year the big question mark for me for sean's team is daryl henderson is he going to play this week and then DeAndre Hopkins just popped up on the injury report today for the Cardinals. I think he will play. I think the big question mark, though, is Daryl Henderson. I think if he doesn't play, I would uh, choose Jake's team. But I'm just going to stick with my original pick and go with Sean here, the football heads. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things that drove me away from from Sean's team, Zach Paschal missed, missed practice today. Yeah. Um, it, they said it was an illness, so it might be it might be done with and over with by the time the game starts. T. Higgins was a little bit more concerning with a, a shoulder injury. He did not practice today. Um, Goodness, so, there's a lot of question marks in that lineup. Yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of questionables coming into the week, so it makes it a little bit tougher for me. And while he does have some guys on the bench, I, I just don't think it's it's enough to make up for the, the production of some of those other guys he has in right now. I mean, and not to mention that, his quarterbacks or Jake's quarterbacks this week are Mahomes versus yeah. the Chargers and Hurts versus Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry, it's, uh, it's on paper. It looks good. So you see all those question marks and yeah. you realize that, okay, he might be missing some big pieces coming up this week. So, um, but yeah. All right. So that wraps up our matchup prediction for this week going to go ahead and move on down to our trade recap just some initial thoughts quick thoughts not really doing too much of a deep dive on these this week um but on the very first one uh you were a part of both of these along with one of our other managers in our league so you traded away nelson Aguilar to mike in return for trey sermon I'll go ahead and start us off on this one i think this trade was pretty irrelevant to me at the time obviously i think this was done because Trey Sermon at that point in time was projected to be one of the top back, uh, one of the guys in the backfield for, for the Niners. And then some injuries happened and from there just didn't really do too much. So what, uh, what do you have for that one? Yeah, not much to say here. I made the move uh, to get another running back on my roster. Someone that saw that could possibly have some upside at the time, I wasn't completely bought into the team committing to Elijah Mitchell. They're not a team that usually commits to one running back, and usually whoever's on the field um, becomes pretty fantasy relevant as they're historically like one of the top two or three teams in the NFL at moving the ball down the field via run, running the ball. And so I just wanted to have another running back on my team with that kind of skill or, you know, that kind of uh, upside. And so that's why I made the deal. I thought I had at least the ability to make that kind of move to move a, you know, a flex play, a spot flex play for a guy like that. So that's that. Yep. Then moving on down to the big one of the week, uh, sparked a little bit of controversy within the group chat. Uh, And we're going to go ahead and read this off. You traded away Chase Claypool, Trey Sermon, 
Ezekiel Elliott, George Kittle, and the Bills defense. Four, Christian McCaffrey, Washington's defense, Michael Thomas, and Kyle Pitts for Michael. Um, I'll give my initial thoughts, my quick thoughts for it. First thought was the number one overall pick was traded within the first three weeks of the league, which that alone blew my mind a little bit. Um, and not only that, it blew my mind up a little bit. It's just some of those pieces that were brought in for that trade in terms of Michael Thomas or apologies. You're getting Michael Thomas, Trey Sermon, a little bit of a question mark in the 49ers backfield. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, like I mentioned before, it looks like they're doing a committee back system in Dallas now, and it doesn't look like Zeke is their go-to, go-to guy right now. Uh, and then George Kittle, his production has kind of been down a little bit, hasn't been what we were used to seeing. Um, but on the other side of that, I, I do understand the Kyle Pitts move. I understand that Kyle Pitts has a tremendous upside in fantasy, and he could do very well this year. Washington's defense is, is always known to be a really good defense. Um, so I, I get some of the moves on both sides. Just to me, it's a, it's a little more lopsided to one side than the other. But those are my initial thoughts. Uh, I know this was your trade. You don't have to speak on it if you want, but just your initial thoughts on maybe why you made the move or, or why you offered the pieces that you did. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think how to share because it was so controversial within the group. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people got very upset about it, which is for most, the few that got very upset is uncharacteristic of them. So I, I don't want to play too much of it. Um, I initially, I think, asked about CMC whenever I was talking to Mike, and Mike told me that he told me some specific people were asking him about CMC. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, all right, well, I'll ask about him too. And I actually made one offer. Mike declined it. And then I thought, well, that was it. Like, um, actually, no, no. I made an offer. He countered and actually sent me an offer in my inbox. And I declined that one that had CMC. And I thought, well, that was probably the shot to get him. And I'm just not willing to pay that price. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he sent me an offer very close to what we came up with. And I just made one counter and then that was it. And uh, there wasn't actually a whole lot of negotiating to it um, other than like he told me that others were making moves. So he he was looking to fill some gaps. um, So I knew that it wasn't just me. Um, But yeah, I don't really do a whole lot of talking about players of upside Mm -hmm. or whatnot when I negotiate with Mike, because I know he's very knowledgeable about all of that. I don't really need to explain it to him. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we are. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I get I get the move. Um, again, like I said before, I think it's a little more lopsided to one side than the other, but time will tell. Yeah, so. I'm I'm actually very interested what's going to happen with that Dallas backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know Paul has been very involved as far as his touches, though. I think I just read, ironically, I think Zeke's still getting I think 74, 75 percent of the snaps on the field. So he's still very much a lead back. It's just that when Pollard's on the field, like they're using him. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting to me. And he's definitely one of the key pieces for Mike of how that's actually going to turn out for him. Um, but yeah, big trade for sure. Oh yeah. I agree. All right. Moving on down to our around the league segment, uh, opening it off with our fantasy over under. I'll go ahead and go to our records real quick. I myself am three and three. Nate is five and one. Um, go ahead and move on down to the very first one. We have a quarterback making his debut in the regular season. We have Davis Mills. <laughs> I, ha- I have his over-under right now. Probably ridiculously low, but at the same time, it's Davis Mills. I have it as 12. 
Um, and I'm actually going to take the under on this. I do not expect him to do very well against the Panthers' number one defense. I agree, and uh, it has more to do with Davis Mills and Panthers being the number one defense. Mm-hmm. You have to remember that the Panthers have played the Jets, and they also played the Saints, who I thought their very first week was not going to be what we were consistently going to see from the Saints. Yeah. I think last week was also not going to be what we're going to see, but something a little bit more close to mm-hmm. what their offense is actually going to look like without their key wide receiving pieces. Um, so, yeah, the, the Panthers have been dominating, but they've also been playing some very poor teams on the field lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're about to look even better because they're going <laughs> to dominate the Texans. <laughs> yes, they are. So I'm guessing you're taking the over on this. I mean, the under on this one. Yeah, definitely the under. Yeah. All right. Next, we'll move on down to Thundercats. Like I've said before, they've been doing tremendously well so far this year. Have their over-under set as 175 points. I'm actually going to take the under this week. Do not expect them to hold the same uh, same point values that they've been holding consistently for the past couple of weeks. I do expect to see a decline, and I think this week is it. What do you have? Uh, I hope that happens just so that Scott's team doesn't continue to crush. Mm-hmm. But I, I went with the over, giving him the nod of confidence, um, saying that Scott's team's going to score over 175. Yeah. All right. And I think this one, a little bit more of an interesting one for me uh, right now. Daniel Jones, I have him at an over-under of 25, which traditionally you would think that's a pretty high over-under for Daniel Jones. Um until you look at Atlanta's defense and their past defense, they've given up an average of 29.20 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks so far through two weeks. Granted, yeah. they faced Tom Brady last week, but they placed Jalen, they played Jalen Hurts week one, um, which is very comparable to Daniel Jones in terms of talent, youth. Um, he runs. Exactly. Which is so, a big upside for Daniel Jones and put some respect on his name. Number four quarterback. on Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's killing it so far. Obviously yeah. the giants as a whole aren't killing it, but Kevin in terms of fantasy, off the waivers. Yeah. I, I looked and it was, I was just a little too late. Just a little too <laughs> late. Cause I contemplated it, but wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my quarterback situation since we can only roster two, but I, know, I gave it a gander a tough decision week to week, yeah. especially like, uh, like myself, I drafted my second quarterback very late, like Kevin, mm-hmm. So I'm always kind of teeter-tottering that line of, uh, do I want to, like, I, I did already week two, I dropped Darnold for Mac Jones. That wasn't a good move, but it didn't really matter. And, yeah. and, result. and I'm just kind of streaming and went with Derek Carr this week. But uh, yeah, Daniel Jones has been crushing it the first two weeks. Yeah. I will say this Carr has also, also been doing really well so far this year. Yeah, I think um, he's currently Pretty consistent. 10. Yeah, it's been playing pretty consistent, which is good for him. But in terms of Daniel Jones over-under, I'm going to take the over on this. I expect the Giants offense to come out and absolutely destroy Atlanta's defense. Atlanta has not been playing very good defense at all so far this year. Um, And I expect that trend to kind of keep rolling. What do you have? Yeah, I think you have to go with the over though. It's a good line 25. It's not easy. Um, I'm just going to say it's going to be some of the running and Daniel Jones. uh, is going to find himself in the end zone run, you know, with the rushing touchdown and that's going to be a big factor. Yep. Agreed. All right. Moving on down to our final segment here with news and notes around the league. So with the Jarvis Landry going on IR, do you think Odell's stock increases here, even coming back from an ACL injury? Well, I think it could only increase. Mm -hmm. Um, I think most people 
were either unsure or fairly low on OBJ coming into the year because what we saw last year and I think maybe towards the end of the year before that wasn't the typical OBJ that we saw with the fantasy dominance that he had in the first few years in the league with the Giants. Um, so I think it raises his stock um, maybe just a little bit heading into the game, but he has a chance to really get his stock up there with how he does this weekend. So this will be very foretelling um, uh, with his fantasy value after this week. Yeah, I think, again, I think it only goes up, like you mentioned. Uh, even if he pulls off like a 15, 16, 17-point performance, I think for him coming back, his first game back, I think that's a very positive sign all around. Yeah, I think that would be very yeah. good if he saw, saw that the very first week. Yeah, um, I think it's a positive sign all around. and It's, it's a really, in my opinion, really only has a chance of, of really going up from there. I think they'll get him a lot more involved in that offense and kind of get him a little bit more comfortable again. So I do see a stock going up. And then I, I do have a, another question coming off of that. So with Jarvis's injury, do you think it'll benefit Odell or Hunt slash Chubb more? coming into the year, um, particularly a little bit more hunt, obviously, since he's a little bit more of the pass catcher. Yeah. But in terms of the backfield, do you think it'll benefit the backfield or Odell a little bit more? Um, I think I'm going to lean Odell here. Yeah. 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 I think I agree there as well. I think, uh, like you said, when Jarvis was out last week, they put a lot of their offense on their tight ends. And I'm not sure if they're hundred percent comfortable with that. I think they're yeah, a lot we, better we off with that, that week to week for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a very easy game plan to stop if you're just going for your tight ends most of the time, unless you have some insanely elite tight ends, um, which they do not have. So, right. All right. Next one. This one, I think, is the most exciting news, not for (laughs) Andy Dalton, but just in terms of fantasy football and football in general. Andy Dalton is being sidelined this week due to injury. How long do you foresee the Bears sticking with Justin Fields as their quarterback after this week? So I'm trying to pull up the update. I believe I just saw this the afternoon that Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach, actually mm-hmm. put out there that uh, Andy Dalton's going to be out. They expect the injury to be three to five weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I think they want it to be that. They want, yeah. <laughs> They're like, we want to give Fields at least three to five weeks to see what he really has. So right. um, I'm trying to pull it up now. I can't find it, but I'm fairly certain I saw that. Yeah, so, I did. I did see that report earlier as well. Yep. There it is. This is projected to be a three to five week injury to Matt Nagy uh, about Andy Dalton after uh, MRI or uh, MRI going into IR. Is he on IR now? Yeah, he's going. Yeah, off. he's he's IR. I think for again, like you said, three to five weeks. So yeah, it, it gives Fields a little bit of a buffer where he doesn't have a target on his back for, yeah, for the Field first few weeks. Probably going to be the quarterback for the rest of the season if, since uh, this is taking place for sure. Yeah, and then another question that I have from that is if Fields underperforms at any point through those three to five weeks, and he's just not performing as well as most people would expect him to perform. Do you think that the Bears will let him kind of go through the growing pains for the remainder of the year? Or do you think that once Andy Dalton comes back, if Fields isn't doing so great, that they'll throw Dalton back in? You know, I think that's a good question. And I think actually how they handled it, they have the luxury to go ahead and take him out and put Dalton back in as Mm -hmm. they declared Dalton when healthy as our starting quarterback. So it wasn't like Dalton performed poorly. And then they're like, all right, take him out. Let's put the rookie in. And all of a sudden they're, if you were to take the rookie out in that situation, then it's like the Tua situation. Like, who do you really trust here? You're not really giving your rookie the nod of confidence when they were playing back and forth, starting quarterback with a Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. Yeah. Um, but because of how they worded it and how they approach the situation, I think they wouldn't get be as scrutinized about it if uh, Fields underperformed, if they did take him out once 
Dalton was uh, healthy and back, but uh, I don't think I foresee that happening. Exactly. I, I think they handled this situation, I think, as well as they could. Um, and I think they're setting themselves up for success, I think, regardless in five weeks. Yeah. Whether Fields is performing poorly and they just want him to kind of sit down for the for a little bit. Dalton was their original starter, so pulling him back in isn't a big deal. Um, and if Fields is absolutely killing it, well, you might as well just keep him in because he's only making you better. So, right. yeah, I agree. And then my final question on Justin Fields is ballpark. You know, what do you think his performance will look like this weekend against the Browns? Uh, I think it will be okay. I don't think it will be eye-popping. I don't think it will be bad. I think it will be, uh, if I had to project like a fantasy mark, uh, maybe some around those mid-teens. You know, it's not going to make or break your team this week. Yeah, I agree. I had him at around anywhere from 17 to 18 points or maybe about 250 passing yards, about 40, 50 rushing yards and a couple touchdowns and maybe an interception. Um, yeah, I really want to see what he does uh, yeah. with the ru- the rushing attempts. He had, what, 10 rushing attempts last yeah. week? And he's, and, I mean, uh, he's pretty big. Yeah, I didn't know how big the boy is. I mean, yeah. he but he didn't like – he didn't get as many yards as uh, I would have thought per carry yeah. for having 10 rushing attempts. But I don't think that's mm-hmm. going to be the case. I think he's going to be more effective with his feet. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll uh, – I think they'll they'll incorporate him as time goes in. He did have that injury when he was at Ohio State, so I think the Bears are being a little cautious with it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I do expect him to kind of take off a little bit more with his feet. He's fast. He's yeah. big. He had, he had so. 10 rushes for 31 yards last week. That's not – it's not as good as you would think for yeah. you know quarterback of his skill set. He's pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And then moving on down to our final one. With Tyrod Taylor out until at least week five due to injury, do you think that Deshaun Watson will benefit at all in any capacity this year? And do you think that the Texans might think about possibly bringing him back if he's eligible to come back at any point with Taylor out? Um. Yeah, it's so intriguing. Uh, I want to just say absolutely not, mm-hmm. but the Texans are not an organization I I think highly of. So uh, <laughs> I have no idea what they're gonna do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? I don't. I don't foresee them bringing Deshaun Watson back. I don't know if this will help or hurt him if they if they leave him on the sideline. I hope for his sake that a lot of this stuff you know, not just his sake, but other people as well, mm-hmm. that this stuff isn't true, that he can get back to being a professional and enjoy the game of football and we can enjoy watching him. But, uh, yeah, this situation is really murky. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation, um, and it's an unfortunate one if these accusations are true. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you always got a question. Quarterback situation happens with them right now in his situation, you know, how they're going to handle it and what they're going to do. I know that they already mentioned this week that he's inactive, so it's not a possibility this week, uh, but it looks like they're taking it on a week to week basis. Uh, they're not mentioning, Oh, he's out for the rest of the year. I think it's been a week to week thing. So that to me brings up the question mark, you know, like, are they going to get to a point throughout this year since they're doing it on a week to week basis to where they're like, yeah, Deshaun Watson is active this week and he will play. So. I think it'll be at that point. The the question is for them, like, so what are you trying to achieve? If you get him out there, Mm -hmm. are you trying to show the rest of the NFL, like, Hey, he still has it so that you can trade him for something of value. Um, But then I don't know if you're not trying to do that. Well, knowing the pieces you have on your team, 
you're not trying to do that well to set yourself up better for the draft next year, then mm-hmm. why are you putting somebody out there that will help your team win? So I don't exactly. know. It's, it's, it's odd. I mean, it's the Texans. Who knows what but, they'll do? Exactly. I mean, they're bad. Actually, I don't even <laughs> so. know like, what their draft picks are next year because I know that they mishandled those as well. Yep. So, and then final point here uh, in terms of the Texans, do you think that Davis Mills will perform at a level of Tyrod Taylor being a top 13 quarterback so far? No, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. I'm surprised <laughs> uh, Tyrod was there. It was actually kind of fun to watch. Yeah. I enjoyed watching him succeed those first few weeks. So it was actually sad to see him get hurt. Um, I agree. But yeah, definitely not. And I think the crazy thing is Tyrod's a top 13 quarterback with an injury. That didn't even watch him play the entire game. I think if he would have finished that game out, he'd probably be sitting somewhere within the top 10 quarterbacks, which yeah. is a surprising name to hear within the top 10 of Tyrod Taylor. So, yeah, you got these, you know, these guys in the top 10 that you typically don't see of Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, and then you could have had Tyrod Taylor in there. Yeah. 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 I think it'll be a, an interesting year in terms of quarterbacks this year and, and how some will perform and, and where what the the top ten will look like. I think the top ten this year will look, I want to say, drastically different than what it did last year in terms of five through ten. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Be surprised. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, do you have anything else you wanted to mention? Bring up at all? Uh, no, not really. Um, I know there's there was a lot of flack there in the group chat this week, and uh, Nate having to take some time off. I just want to say, uh, well. I know a lot of us are just disappointed that that happened, but I will say this is very, you know, pretty uncharacteristic of my brother. So I would uh, let him enjoy this time off and then I'm sure he'll come back juiced up and ready to go and uh, just commissioning, helping commission the league just as well as he has in the past. I have confidence in that. So yeah, just want to point that out there. I'm not really worried about, about him with that. I think uh, he'll use this time to kind of revitalize his uh, enjoyment for fantasy, at least, which I hope he does because he's, great fantasy manager in every league I've played with him in. Yeah, I agree. And I had a conversation with him about it kind of after everything went down and being in so many leagues can be mentally draining. Um, have to worry about so many things and it's hard to enjoy it after a while once you're in so many leagues and you have to worry about so many different things and him coming off of baseball, doing all the prep for fantasy, uh, the podcast and commissioning and, and all these other things. It, it does get a little mentally taxing. So you know, we had a conversation. He was taking the time, and I told him, "Take your time, do whatever you need to do to to get yourself back to to the Nate that we know that enjoys fantasy football." So, yeah, the league's all, league is definitely better when that Nate is here. I agree, one hundred percent. So, well, yeah. With that being said, thank you very much for coming on to this week's podcast. I know it was a short notice, um, but again, I really appreciate it, and thank you everyone for tuning in. You guys have a great one and see you later. Yeah.